Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Player Repertory Podcast. I'm Mitchell Huntley, here with my co-host, Sarah Lena Sparks. Hey. Who just got out of bed. I can't, I cannot emphasize how much this was a, oh, look at my clock. It's time that we're going to begin right now, and rolling out of bed, and turning on my computer, and being here right freaking now. And we have... Another guest here, our former guest co-host. I think the uh, the PRP MVP, Mister or the ghost, the ghost that that haunts the Play It Repertory podcast. <laughs> yeah, we don't Benjamin know. Benjamin <laughs> Suskin. Oh my gosh, it's like it's my first time here. Oh what? my god, it's like your first of what, like ten times you've been here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> A PRP All Star. Oh my gosh! And today we're going to be talking about. Music. Music. Ew. Music. Are you, are you like some music, music nerd or something? What the fuck? It's almost like we've all written oh, music for a play before. <laughs> but it's like we <laughs> haven't. Like, because we like all haven't. <laughs> oh, well, Mitchell and I have, Sarah. You're just like the odd one out. Yeah. Well, Sarah has written for. Sarah no. for, for Metamorphoses. We were, yeah, we did. Oh, I actually forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay. Whatever. Just, that like, play I, barely happened because it was a Zoom play, so I forgot about that. Anyway, if that was confusing, hello, welcome. Today we're going to be talking about music, music, music. <laughs> and we brought our friend Ben here today because Ben is a composer, writer of musicals, and so is Mitchell. I didn't realize this till right now, but Mitchell's wearing a shirt from his special thespian musical works, which Ben has also won, so... But they didn't give me a shirt because we did ours over Zoom. Wow. Wow, wow. Yeah, I don't think it deserves a wow. I think it deserves an oh. Aww. I think it's Okay. And Sarah, whoa, haven't you done stuff with thespians? Yeah, but... Oh my gosh, but that's not important right now. Doesn't really care. I feel like Pete is going to come after us for that beaten dead horse, mm-hmm. so I think we're going to have to move on. <laughs> Every time we say playworks, like, I lose, like... I think we should, like, cut this part out. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what are we talking about next? Music! And now we're going to talk about... everywhere. Now we're going to talk about... Now we're going to talk about music. So, music is something that is... <laughs> Are you going to define music right now? <laughs> I love what we, is I love music? We have such a good outline Miriam Webster, Merriam-Webster's dictionary defines music as... Um, no, music is something that I feel, I'm sure Ben feels and Sarah feels, is really important and really helps when you are writing a play or working on a play. Um, or musical. If you're working on musical, a musical, it's really freaking important that like you have one of music. The most, it's in the name. Yeah. But so there's tons of ways you can incorporate music in a in a play, whether that be using um, songs or hymns that already exist, or composing things for your play on your own, or saying that things need to be composed, but not specifying and allowing your your actors or directors in the future to do that, which we have had experience in, I think, all three of those categories. 
Um, the first one, which I think Sarah has experience with, which is with her play, that one, dare I say it again, Playworks, Silent Night. Sarah, can you describe what you did with using a song that already exists and incorporating it into your play? So the play is called Silent Night. In the play, a couple times, they sing the song Silent Night. And one very important factor is Silent Night is not copywritten. Public domain. It's public domain, and which is why that is okay to do. You cannot use somebody else's music if you don't have the rights to it. I, for the, I'm going to ding again. Ding, talking about it. For the competition that I submitted Silent Night to, I thought I was going to be disqualified for a really long time because did. I didn't um, read the rules like fully. Uh, well, I read the rules. I just didn't think about this, but it said no music that's not written by yourself and i i just i just forgot that silent night was a huge it's a huge deal in the play it's, it's, a, it's a hit man it's it's, a, it's, a, it's like the title it's like the it's the titular role but uh <laughs> it's a pretty big deal in the play and i kind of forgot that i didn't write it and i kind of forgot that it just was i threw it in there um and so i really thought i was gonna get disqualified but they only meant use your own music because they didn't want to deal with rights and copyright and stuff, but Silent Night is public domain, so okay. I highly encourage you to look at things that are public domain. Most all classical music is public domain. And Happy Birthday is now public domain. I'm just saying. Uh, yes, that's so why plays. they have to sing weird things at restaurants, too. But they don't have to, though, anymore, because it is actually in the public domain. Oh, good Fun for fact. restaurants. But, uh, yeah, it's great to look at those more, like, classic classical pieces that you know you don't have to deal with like getting a headache over oh can i have this in my play or not they don't have to deal with the lawyers at ascap yeah oh my gosh and just to clarify you can have music in your play and it's not a musical those are yes. called plays with music um, and they're not musicals because music isn't the central part of the whole play. You can also have a straight play with music and not even be a play with musical and just have it be underscore. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things about plays with music is that they're, they're a growing trend in mm -hmm. the theater industry. Uh, a lot more plays are having and utilizing uh, actors who can play instruments yes. and an ensemble who can build a score for underscoring or sometimes even um, the singing i know that for mary zimmerman's secret in the wings which is written in secret of the rings it's not a ring oh. secret of the rings. it's secret. the ring cycle actually yeah uh lord of the rings like prequel secret in the wings no the lord of the rings prequel is the hobbit Ugh. I hate myself, um, but <laughs> you just you just upset the entire internet nerd community. I know, um, but Mary Zimmerman's secret in the wings, um, the there is music. It is a whole bunch of vignettes, and one of the stories is fully told in music, and that music is written by the ensemble because it is a devised piece. Plays with music that uh, the ensemble gets to work on stuff with. That's a great example. Yeah, yeah. So that's another thing, like. A lot of people, if you're an actor, heads up, people are looking for actor musicians is what I've heard them referred to as. So actors who can play instruments, write music, do songs. Basically, 
you should have more skills so they don't have to pay extra people to do those things that they could just pay one person to do. Another wonderful play with music that actually got its start at a theater that we all um, took classes at was Cambodian Rock Band, which um, uh, is a uh, I have the script. Great play. I have Come the on. script right in front of me. It's I think a, we all um, saw that together, all three of us. We did, yeah. Yes, we did. It's a, a like a bio play kind of. It's not really, but it's like, it's like it's a about historic the play. So it's about it's about the band, this uh, Cambodian rock band, where there are songs in it, but the songs do not serve the purpose of furthering the story, but rather just demonstrating the fact that they are musicians. Yeah. So yeah, you can have plays where where you know you got music, and you can have music a lot of the times. It's just not a musical. That's the, the quintessential thing that makes a musical a musical is that the music is used to further the story mm-hmm. as opposed to just being part yeah. of as opposed of to being like a storytelling more part device. of the like yeah like the stylized way of storytelling yeah. and there's and there's two different types of um of music that can be used in a play or a musical and that's we call diegetic and non-diegetic music Ooh, and vocab fancy terms wait do you go to i don't even know what these mean <laughs> wait do you go to northwestern and take like a, are you getting a degree in theater what Anyway, so diegetic and non-diegetic music. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. And I've been training as a classical musician for the last six years. Tell me. Go ahead and tell us what that means, Michelle. Yeah. Inform us. <laughs> I will, I will. So diegetic music is music that oftentimes in performances that are often are in the show and that the characters know they are singing or playing. Mm. So if a so character, like so a like in Cambodian rock band, they understand the fact that they are playing music. Yes. Yes. Because they are a band and their whole thing is we're a band. That's why it's called Cambodian rock band. By the way, right. I don't think Hit if we said this, but head. Cambodian rock band is by Lorne, a brilliant, wonderful brilliant playwright. Brilliant playwright. Just like amazing. My hero. Wow. What a like, woman. Oh my God. Yeah. If you have not seen that show, I guarantee you, as soon as theaters open up, it will be playing in one near you because it is an amazing play. Even read it. You it. can even read it. I was reading it the other day. It reads pretty well. I mean, it's obviously, it reads well. She's French. Lauren Yee. The, yes, uh, you can buy it on the Concord Theatrical slash Sam French website. And, and it's we only like had it's only like $10. So not sponsored. We and when we saw the show, we actually had a very fun experience because all the power in the city went out at the very end of the show. About ten minutes before the end of the show, and so I actually don't know exactly how the last ten minutes of the show were supposed no, to we, go. No, we we oh yeah, because we saw the last scene, but it was under but the we, fluorescence. It was, right, yeah, right. And people, Emerging the actors power. had already changed into their street clothes because they thought that they weren't going to have to finish the show. <laughs> It was we love quite an experience. Mm-hmm. Well, anyways, can you explain now what undiegetic music would be then, Mitchell? Yeah, non-diegetic music non-diegetic. is like music that is either playing underscoring where characters don't really acknowledge it, but a lot of times musicals use non-diegetic music where characters might be singing something out to the audience and other characters in, like, in the ensemble or background don't acknowledge that this character is just singing their face off right in front of them. I, I, or that's sometimes the I they might even join in. Sometimes Whoa. they might even join in. It's usually the difference between diegetic and non-diegetic is whether or not it's actually like a performance or acknowledged in the play versus not acknowledged or a performance in the play. Like there can be diegetic music in musicals, 
and there can be non-diegetic music in plays. It's just often more diegetic music is done in um, plays and non-diegetic. Now allow me to bring up an, a, a fun trip of a musical called The Guy Who Didn't Like Musicals, where everyone the guy besides, who didn't like musicals. besides Paul doesn't realize they're singing, this but he does. Kid, so now would you would you classify those songs besides Paul, the main character, and no one else realizes they're actually singing? So would you classify the songs diegetic or undiegetic? Oh my Because God. Paul realizes oh that God. they are singing, but no one else realizes they're singing. Mitchell and I also have- saw this in person. It was a weird musical. <laughs> didn't realize I had to uh, write an essay for this episode. Yeah, but I would. Con- <laughs> I would Everybody, classify- welcome uh, audience, audience and friends. Welcome to Mitchell and Ben's uh, continuous. I don't want to say rivalry. I don't know rivalry. rivalry. I'll say rivalry. Old married couple, like like uh, banter. Shall you say? Here it is. This is what Pickering. it is. Right here. Yes. <laughs> and I'm normally right smack dab in the middle of it. Yeah, I am. But for right now, she is to my left on the screen. And, and she's underneath me. I'm looking right at Mitchell right now. Hey, Mitch. I'm looking right at Ben right now. This is our Zoom boxes, if you're our confused. Our Zoom boxes. <laughs> our Zoxes. One Never might say. <laughs> so I would say that the, the guy who didn't like musicals, that that would be diegetic. To an extent. Times when there, I'd say there aren't um, other characters around or... No, I'd actually classify all of it as diegetic because it's it's in the, in the story that we know that they're performing. These characters are performing. That's what they're doing all the goddamn time in that musical. So I'd say... But, that, it, but is that the exception and that most musicals are undiegetic then? I'd say most musicals are primarily non-diegetic. Non-diegetic. But... I'd, yeah. But there are a few that sometimes they do diegetic things. I'd say one another musical that's mostly diegetic is Cabaret. Right. Mostly. Mm, that makes sense. That's a, that'd be a good example, as well as a lot of jukebox musicals. And a lot of Kander and Ed musicals, too. Like, I mean, Chicago has diegetic parts where they're like, now a tap dance or like... Yeah. Where they... difference yeah. between fourth wall break and... Um, that's that's a conversation for another day. Right. But, oh, you're so right. Ah, your technicality. I think. So I think you really have a so many options you can do. You can do diegetic music in your play, which oftentimes will center around a performance, um, or you could do non-diegetic, which could be a lot more of underscoring, which you can either leave up to the ensemble or write yourself if you're so inclined. Uh, there are many different options that you can use to include in your play. Now let's talk about writing that music. <laughs> let's talk about it. Am I right? About composition. Uh, or arranging, <laughs> in some cases. Did you just hear that, like, giving up in my voice? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> we're all, this is, we're recording this so early in the morning. And by early in the morning, I mean basically noon. So. Uh, I don't wake up till 2 For yesterday. Corona time, that is way too early. I don't go to bed till 6.30 in the morning. Not by choice. Not by choice. Not by choice. I'm just curious. Who out there has heard of the thing where it's like you can't go to bed between 3 and 4 if you're awake at 3? Like, you gotta stay awake till 4 because then. That's happened to me. Like, no, 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 no. Because that is the most ghostly hour between 3 and 4. That is when the ghosts come out to play. That's true. By the way, 
one time I was haunted by a ghost that I was writing about in a play. Like I felt her presence and she was like hovering over me and she's like, what up girl? Like I see you. Thanks for like shouting out my name, bruh. And I just, I felt it was crazy. And it was between what hours? Three and four bitches. Well, that's because you tried to stay up to three and four to write a play. This isn't last night. By the way, last night, I also tried to stay up all night writing a play. But that's another story. Anytime. Anyway. Um, but no, 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 no. One time, if be careful if you're writing things about historical figures. Because... They will come and they will haunt you and it'll be between the hours of three and four because that is the ghost hour. Did you guys know about the ghost hour? I did. It's the witching hour. Like, right? I don't know. Witching hour? I call it the ghosting hour. Whatever. Yeah, I associate it more with ghosts than with witches, so I don't really want to give the witches credit. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, we're all dolls, the witches, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, how do you write? How do you write out there as I call? <laughs> how do you write music? Um... <laughs> That's a, I think the biggest question, uh, the biggest thing to start with is what you're trying to accomplish with the music, what you're, what story you're trying to tell. And I think that really can inform a lot of your choices when you're literally staring at a blank page. Oh, really? Sometimes I'll just like fiddle around on the piano and be like, I want to write a song right now. And then all of a sudden I'll have a song and I'll be like, I don't really know why I did this. <laughs> ben and I have two different styles of how to start writing. <laughs> Mitchell goes text first and I typically will write music first and then add text later. But... Yeah, I think I think all that comes down to what, what you want the audience to feel. Like, when you're tinkering around the piano, like Ben, you want the audience to feel or or learn something. And even if you're tinkering around on the piano, you can still accomplish that. And I'm sure Ben accomplishes that too. Even if he starts with tinkering the piano, and I start with what I start with the text that I already have, and thinking, what do I want the audience to know and accomplish? Right. So, yeah, I like. I know what the song is about and I usually start with the music first so I can get a feeling for what I want the song to like to, to feel like better and so then I can figure out where I want the text to sit with the music which is in a sense limiting but at the same time it also helps ground me when I'm writing lyrics so I know what I where I want the music to lie with the 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 lyrics and it also helps me um not feel structured by a, 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 a format of a song. So I write music for plays. I also write music for films and I take a, a similar approach when writing both. Um, usually when I write music for anything where it's not for musical, where there's no singing, I'll usually write like a theme for a character or try to put that character into music. And like, so you listen to the music and be like, Oh, I know who this person is. Like, I can tell from listening to this, like I can tell they're like what drives them and you can usually figure that out by using, um, you, by, by sometimes by, you can use instrumentation or the, the timbre of your comp- composition. Timbre is sound. Like the sort of texture of the sound. Like Mitchell, when he says something and you know that that's Mitchell saying something, but when I say something, and you know that it's me saying something, that's because our voices have different tampers. Or you can look at violins versus trumpets. And the reason that trumpets sound brassy is because that's the timbre of the instrument, whereas a string sounds light and airy because it's the timbre of a string instrument. So you can usually use different timbre or 
key signature, like major versus minor, to give you some feeling about the character. I mean, obviously, evil probably be written in a minor key signature. Mitchell actually just sent me the funniest thing yesterday. He sent me, it's the Pink Panther song in a major key. And it is so so funny. (laughs) Someone described it as jaunty, and I would 100% agree. It is. Wait, I want to hear this, Mitchell. Can you please send it to me as well? I will. I will. And we'll like link it, it in an Instagram. <laughs> we'll link it. Ugh. The, the creator I, I said. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, 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 play it. That's all, that's all I can play, though. <laughs> it almost sounds like it should be in like Winnie the Pooh. It does. It's so it's funny. Just the, it's just the third is raised to yeah. major. It's so funny. But the third adds so much. Mm-hmm. Wow. But I, I think what another interesting point that Ben was saying about the themes for characters is something that's referred to as leitmotifs. Right. And I think you can have, like, like you think about, like, in Star Wars, our favorite example from episode four, you can look at the different things like the Imperial March is, is Darth Vader's theme. Am I, got to, am I about to put my foot in my mouth by saying that? I'm not, right? No. No. Yeah, the Imperial March is Darth Vader's you theme. You hear it you and associate you think Darth with Vader. Em- you think Darth Vader, but you also think of themes of, like, empire and authoritarianism and control. Right. And I think you can really associate... If you want to associate characters with certain themes, you can use their themes... Throughout. Throughout in a more broad way that when it fits that theme. So I think there's lots of opportunity for these leitmotifs to be used in such a way that you can promote the themes of them. That is one piece of advice I have been given a couple times is to never stray away from motifs and themes um, because they can be really helpful and really help make your writing cohesive. So speaking of leitmotifs and using them, they actually can be used, like, while they are written, they can for like a purpose they can still be like they can deviate from the original purpose and change the meaning of the leitmotif like fun fact the original like the bum bum but in star wars that that was originally luke skywalker's theme but then they used it in the the prequels and luke's not in those movies and then that just totally changed the meaning of the leitmotif it was originally supposed to be luke's theme and then it just became known as the, the star wars theme because yeah it, I, th- I, yeah. I I watched an interesting video on it. You probably watched the same video. Probably. By a YouTuber called Sideways. Um, yep. He, he does a lot of this interesting analysis of these motifs and of music in general. So if you're really interested in that, I would go check out his YouTube channel. But I This th- is not a sponsorship, but like... We're not sponsored by anyone yet. Hit us up, anyone. YouTube is honestly a wonderful place to learn about music uh, my dad's a jazz musician and he's constantly watching YouTube videos where they like analyze the jazz music and they talk about jazz runs and stuff like that. But there's just a lot of great content creators out there mm-hmm. who can help you further with, you know, how to write a musical. This is more just like an intro. It's really basic. But if this really interests you, I know both of these boys are self-taught. So there are ways... And you don't I ha- use a lot of YouTube videos to teach me almost everything. Yeah, you I- don't have to have some sort of formal training. Just like how if you write a play or a playwright, if you write a musical, like you're a composer, playwright, lyricist. So check that out um, if you want to dive deeper into the subject, because that's kind of what these kids here did. 
This is really just a basic understanding of what we're talking about when using music and uh, play and writing it. I think there's so much more we could delve into, a lot more music theory-wise, which we're trying to avoid a lot more uh, in-depth topics about that. But I feel like there's lots of opportunities in the future for you if you want to like research on like YouTube or other um, platforms. I'm sure there's podcasts about this too. I think if there are you, plenty of music theory podcasts. I think you could definitely look more into it. And of course, Ben and I are self-taught, so we we started from nothing and we are we have learned. Um, so I think there's so much opportunity, even if you don't have you weren't playing piano and taking piano lessons when you were three years old, you can still do this. And I think it's um, something that it's really I think it's really fun. It's a really new it's like an for me, it was a new form of storytelling that I found really compelling. And I feel like it's it's really fun and rewarding writing music. Mm -hmm. One more thing on the topic of light motifs. Mm -hmm. So they're also very fun in musicals to use uh, motifs for characters. People might be more familiar with is um, the hit musical Hamilton, an American musical. Um, Lynn Manuel Miranda is a very big fan of using light motifs and um, has a lot of fun. He, he actually in that musical, a lot of them come from names. Like every time Angelica sings about her name, she'll sing Angelica, mm -hmm. and it's used in a bunch of different songs. And, and Eliza is always Eliza, Eliza, which then she uses again Alexander in Burn. Hamilton. You forfeit the rights yep. to my heart. You forfeit, and she uses her Eliza melody there again. Just a little fun thing. Light motifs can be used in musicals as well, as well as being like like adding a lot of like meaning to the music. They give fun little Easter eggs for theater nerds to look at and be like, "Oh my God, whoa! He he put all these motifs in here! Like, wow!" Yeah, it will make for a more cohesive story. And even though you want your audience to have things clear on the first watch or listen, if it's a musical, I feel like having that really makes a cohesive story that people want to see over and over again. And so you find something new every time you listen. Exactly. So that was our episode about music again. Like I said, it was a very broad, general overview of what you can do with music in a play. If you have a play that has music in it, music composed for it, like we had Folly, Mm -hmm. uh, a couple weeks ago by Rora Belke by Rora Belke but the music was not written by Rora Belke she collaborated with somebody collaboration if you have a play that has music you should submit it here we'd love to read it and we'd love to we love to give it um, a read and to listen to the music and incorporate that because we love plays with music as does the as does the theater industry so I think we'd love to if you have a play with music you, we'd love to Love for you to submit it here. Or a play without music. Or a That's play without cool music. Too. We don't... We love both things. The link to submit is tinyurl.com slash prpsubmit. Again, that's tinyurl.com slash prpsubmit. Also, this is episode 15, which means if this is the first time you're listening, hi, welcome. We have 14 episodes before this, as well as a special episode with bloopers, but I feel like that one's better after you've listened to other episodes. You can find us anywhere you really can find podcasts. Like, we're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher! Not sponsored. Stitcher, yet. not sponsored. Yet. I feel like I was supposed to say that, so. <laughs> you can ask your Alexa or your Google Home. Say, hey, Alexa or Google Home, play the Play Out Repertory Podcasts, and they'll do it. What? 
And then I'll be able to hear Mitchell's voice anytime you want. Or Sarah's voice or Ben's voice. We all have different timbres. And (laughs) bringing it around home. Yeah, you can listen to any of those previous episodes or special episodes. We we really think you enjoy it. We think they're very fun, very funny, uh, really meaningful plays um, and discussions. Yeah. And Ben, do you have any final thoughts? Let's let Sarah go back to sleep. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Let's let Sarah go back to sleep. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye.